I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidesrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 315 clean. misadventures Matt bandsaw mill. Before we do that, I want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Kalo. When you're working in the heat, a rubber ring or a silicone ring is the way to go. Kalo is the functional wedding ring for your hardworking hands. Kalo silicone, silicone wedding rings are safe for your finger, no matter how hot it is. And now, the new quality collection rings are made with Q2X material. You just got to say it that way. They're 10 times more resistant to gas, oil, and solvents, and less rigid than traditional silicone. If you go to Kalo.com, Q-A-L-O, and use the discount code WOODTALK, you're going to get 15% off your order. So thanks to Kalo for sponsoring the show, and thank you for patronizing Kalo. However, if, if that means you give them money or you patronize them and tell them, you know, you're bad. <laughs> um, I also want to say a thanks to these individuals, which um, Matt and I aren't sure if we thank them once before or not. But uh, David Walton, Jesper <laughs> Thorson, um, Chris Levno, and Eric Klim. They're both in bold, so I figured I had to scream. Extra them. special for them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, something's missing, Matt. What What's missing from the show? What do you... Uh, the intro music. We didn't hear it, so I'm not in the mood. Oh. Normally, normally Mark, who's not here, who's yeah. actually missing, plays that music for me to hear and kind of gets me into the mood, into the of, mood. of wood talk. And uh, I don't hear it today, so it might take me a little bit of time to warm up here, so I apologize ahead of time. There we go. Hey. hey. You feel better about that? Oh, man. This feels so good right now. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, the worst part is I just cut it off and made a... <laughs> See, and then we'll just start looping it over each other. Isn't that awesome? You like that? 
All right. Yes, folks, you're in. You're in. Uh, you're right here. It isn't time for a very interesting <laughs> it's, show. It's the Wood Talk Twilight Zone. Mm. Yeah, this is what happens when Mark decides to take vacation and After decides hours. at the last minute that he's not going to come in on the show. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mark is a bit of an audiophile, and if he has the slightest glitch in his connection or sound quality, he's not interested in doing the show. So if you were ever interested in like guest hosting or if you ever wondered why we don't do a call-in show, it's because all y'all's audio sucks, according to Mark. So <laughs> that's why we don't do that. So yeah, Mark's missing today. So it's, it's basically Jungle Rules would talk. So we're, um, yeah. Let's just let's just go with it and and say, hey, thanks for listening. And hopefully you'll still be listening after this episode. Um, I'm also going to throw in Mark is is like coming to us through the media, uh, the medium of uh, what, what shall we call this uh, recorded pre-recorded audio to tell <laughs> us what's going on. So, Mark, why don't you tell us what's on the bench? Well, I'm hiding out for a little while in beautiful Missouri, where the fireworks stores apparently never close. Freeway billboards give me the answers to life's mysteries, and the water smells like farts. Unfortunately, uh, the internet here isn't really holding up. We were hoping to record the show as per normal, but it's it's just not happening. So the best I could do is record a couple of pre-recorded segments here that will sort of make it seem like I'm still on the show. Hey, guys. It's Mark. I'm cracking stupid jokes. Remember me? Obviously, being on the road for about a week, there's not a whole lot to talk about woodworking-wise, but we did pass through the Denver area, stopped in uh, Boulder, and I uh, was able to go to a really cool gallery that had some small woodworking projects. In fact, mostly boxes, uh, jewelry boxes, and there were a few that were very inspiring. In fact, one I saw had this lift mechanism, so as you open the lid, one of the trays kind of pops up, almost like uh, like a tackle box. It reminds me of a fishing tackle box, um, but all wood in terms of the mechanism mechanism used to create that no metal hardware for it. So I was very impressed with it and reminds me of something I would love to incorporate into a project in the future. Um, So, hey, you know what? You're on the road. At the very least, get some inspiration. That's what I did. Well, isn't that special? That's That's it. It's it's funny. Come on, Mark. He he talks about going to a gallery in Boulder and seeing as I went to college in Boulder, I can't think of a time that I ever went to a gallery when I was in Boulder. I was slightly misspent youth last time I was in Boulder. <laughs> Very different Boulder experiences that, that Mark had and that I remember having. So, well, that's cool, Mark. Yeah, he's uh, taking the fam on the road, and they're, um, uh, they're in Missouri right now. So, used to live in Columbia, Missouri. I'm not envious of him right now. Although, it's probably better than 185-degree Phoenix heat, right? So, it's probably better off. So, what about you, Matt? What, uh, what's on your bench? Well, the uh, the bench is empty, but uh, other things around the the shop related things. I finally finished up my trim install, so I'm pretty nice. pretty elated about that. Um, that's been going on for too long. I just <laughs> haven't really been in the mood for it. But um, I think it was what two nights ago. I just decided like that's it. I'm just gonna do it. Spent about it wasn't didn't even take me that long either. I just I don't, for some some reason I have to be in the mood for it or like force myself to do it. Probably took me like an hour. I installed just four pieces of casing, um, and that was it. Hmm. Now they're all done. And now I can edit that video. It was all in cherry, wasn't it? Yes, all the the trims in cherry. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Looking super, super duper awesome. Um, I'm also getting ready to build a big farmhouse table out of white oak. I, I started that one like almost a year ago, like nine months ago. I cut up the slabs into their individual parts, and I brought them inside to dry a little more because they weren't, uh, I think they were like 18% when I cut them. So I think they're down like around 10 right now. But 
probably start that next week, but the biggest thing going on this week is I am planning to build a bandsaw mill, a big one. No way. That sounds fun. So yeah. I'm working on the plans for that, kind of getting a plan together. That's literally, well, okay, that's redundant. I'm working on a plan to plan to build a sawmill. <laughs> that's cool. Are we talking like a horizontal mill or vertical? It'd be horizontal. Okay, nice. Yeah. I don't have vertical. You have to like move the logs back and forth through the blade usually. So it sounds like it'd be a lot more yeah, stuff to true. build for the kind of logs that I want to cut with it. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna do a mill that'll cut up to. Right now we're looking at five feet wide for cut width. So basically nice. something faster than using a chainsaw mill for that bigger stuff. Right. Now, how do you even go about sourcing a blade like that? Are you just gonna buy you know like the commercially available blades that we buy at the lumber yard for our horizontal mill uh yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a few blade places you can get them from the most of the sawmill companies sell blades so they can make them custom length as well mm-hmm. so i'm um, just the kind of the route as soon as i figure out or once we get the actual like cad design figured out how far apart the wheels are going to be um i already know the wheel diameter is going to be 30 inches so we're kind of just figuring out where the guides are going to have to go before the blade starts to get that full width then i'll have my my total band length which is probably i think it's going to be around 300 inches so it's going to be a pretty big oh. bandsaw blade no kidding i want you to do a video unfolding that bandsaw blade <laughs> <laughs> more importantly unfolding that bandsaw blade <laughs> throw it and run <laughs> well like the 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 resaw i mean ours is specifically a resaw so it's a finer tooth blade anyway because we're not you know cutting up logs and we're going for a little bit better quality of, of cut and we're dealing with you know s4s well not necessarily we're dealing with already sawn lumber it's usually rough sawn but at least it's square ish you know <laughs> um but those blades um i guess they're about three inches wide sure um, and still, they're just terrifying, and they come coiled like so unbelievably tightly. There's obviously a machine that does the <laughs> coiling and then drops it in a box, and, and it's literally one of those things where, like, you know, there's a guy with a box cutter there, like opening the tape on the top of the box, and like, you know, jump back as soon as he severs the tape, and <laughs> thing like, explodes out of there because you you never know. Like, did it shift like while it was sitting on the shelf all those years? Or oh yeah. It, you know, most of the time it doesn't come springing out of the box, or whatever. Like that old like snake and the can of peanuts but generally when you pull it out and and you have to like unfoil un, 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 unfold it that's the word mm-hmm. i was looking for it's just this like terrifying thing i like, throw it on the ground and spring and teeth and carbide everywhere but like prior to that we had a vertical resaw and the blade was six inches wide big oh, beast of a thing and i mean the blades were like unbelievably expensive I, I used to know what it cost but it got to be the point where like we'd send them out to get resharpened um and we only had two blades because they were so expensive <laughs> now like th- these blades are practically disposable in fact based on the number of blades we have sitting like in boxes next to the saw i don't think we're i think they are disposable <laughs> at, the, at the lumber mill anyway but that big thing like i never saw it folded i think it just came like unfolded <laughs> just came in this big giant crate that sat in the back of like a you know a pickup truck and you just hook the thing up man they're terrifying those things are ginormous oh yeah so do you think like are your chainsaw mill days over or will there always be a place for the chainsaw mill i think there will always be a place for the mill for the chainsaw mill um i probably will still have more cut capacity with the chainsaw mill so if i do anything 
super crazy big i can still do that with the chainsaw mill or if i have something that's too big for the mill i can always take a cut off the top of it or or whatever and then cut that top part on the mill basically cut the log until the point where it would be too big for the sawmill use a sawmill to cut that part use a chainsaw mill to cut the center of the log and then throw the bottom half back on the mill again to cut those slabs sure um for me i guess it's it's more like a an experience kind of thing I think it's going to make a really cool piece of content to see that thing come together and that whole process. So I think I'll have, I'm pretty good for content probably for the next, you know, six to eight weeks building that thing. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I've often thought about, um, when I get to the, you know, when I get to a place where I know I'm going to stay there, like, I don't know, you know, if we're going to be in this house for, I know we're not going to be here forever. So it's kind of like, it's kept me from like building the dream shop mm-hmm. and kept me from like going out and buying a wood miser and stuff like that. <laughs> but I know that when the time comes, like I'm going to timber frame my own shop and like do the whole raising and everything. And it's like, yeah, that's basically the next year worth of content. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my, my long-term plan is to do exactly that. Yeah. You know? Find that piece of land, build something on that land for a shop built out of the trees that were there on that land yeah, yeah signed by right me on. that kind of thing right on well what's his name um like the guy from john neiman tools you know the guy that makes the axes mm-hmm. and stuff up in norway he did that yeah well that's i like, was like a crazy amount of work i don't know how i don't think i could do that because it would just i would get it would, it would take me like a decade to do it because i would like get sidetracked so many times right <laughs> right like he even went like he did the the, I don't think they called it shishugi ban, but you know the traditional technique of burning the wood mm-hmm. to, to essentially treat it. Uh, the Japanese call it shishugi ban, but I don't know what the Norwegians call it. Same shishugi <laughs> something like that. But yeah, I mean that was what well, we. I think we highlighted that video here on the show. Yes, but yeah, I mean yeah. that's like the dream. You know, anybody who's watched like Dick Prinicky uh, stuff up in Alaska building his own log cabin, like with also insane a knife. You know, you can't help but go. I totally want to do that. But then the reality is like man that's a lot of work <laughs> so you this this is your stepping stone you're going to build your own band mill um so next we expect you to uh with the lumber that you saw from that we expect you to be building your own house well someday you know you never know you'll have jr to help you at that point because he'll be what 18 by then <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice we'll see <laughs> he'll be surly in 18 and go i don't want to do any woodworking dad shut up I ain't you know, doing this. Doing my I virtual got... reality headset thing. Over yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm building a virtual reality timber frame. Why would I want to build that physical stuff? Oh, nice. exactly. <laughs> virtual woodworking game. Yeah, it's coming. You know it's coming. Oh, I know. Well, anyway, that's awesome, man. I'm excited to see that come together. And, you know, what would be really cool is when you get it done, if you can do, like, performance tests against, like, a wood miser. You know anybody with a wood miser? Yeah, you do. There's the guy that um, has yeah. sawn your stuff for you before. Well, so, smaller stuff. I, that's the other thing, too, is, like, I'm, I'm last week I was planning on doing a gas for it, or gas engine. This week I'm thinking of doing electric motor. Hmm. Just because it's going to be a little bit easier. It's less work to put together. It's cheaper to run. And I'm it's finding not like you're out to be like carting it around places either, right? It's not going to be portable at all. First of all, the, the only way to move it would be to lift the head off the track and then turn it <laughs> 90 degrees and put it on a trailer because it would be too wide to legally tow down the road. <laughs> the head's going to be 10 feet wide, and that's over the width for towing. I think you need like a wide load permit for that or something, but it's not portable at all. Right. So I'm not going to bother trying to make it portable. Well, I mean, you went to all the trouble building the log arch, right? You know, so bring the <laughs> exactly. logs to, to yeah. That's, it's that much easier to bring the logs right to the mill 
in my yeah. case than it is the other way around. So that's true. And, and, you know, having a portable sawmill is kind of like having a pickup truck. Suddenly all your friends are like, <laughs> Hey, can I borrow your truck this weekend to move? Hey, can I borrow your band mill? You know, um, <laughs> I'm having a barbecue and we've got a whole side of cow here and we're hoping you could just bring it out and make steaks out of it. The other thing with it too, is it's going to be a lot cheaper to build it than it is to, to buy one. Oh, like, yeah. looking sure. at the the comparable ones, the only I, th- I think the only one I saw that'll do that or the only company that sells a mill that'll cut up to fifty inches. They got the wood miser, uh, the WM one thousand, but that's like it starts at a hundred thousand dollars. It's not yeah. really practical. Uh, Hudson is the other one that sells a mill that cuts up to five feet wide, but it's forty three thousand dollars. Wow! And they charge you ten dollars for the adjustment wrench. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. You go to this nice. site, like, sawmill, $43,000, tensioner adjustment wrench, $10. <laughs> it's like, really? Wow. <laughs> you couldn't throw that in? It's, it's literally a wrench, like, not even like a special wrench. It's like, I think it's like a half inch or three quarter inch wrench, like box end wrench that you would buy at the hardware store. Now, what about like, like feeding? You know, obviously in this case, the head is moving down the bed, right? Yep. Um, it's going to be manual at first, but then the, the initial plan will have all the plans for the power options that I'll add in the future. Mm-hmm. But like doing like a first version, it's going to be all manual. And then in the future, as I have time or as I feel into it more or as I have the money to add it, it'll be all hydraulic. So yeah. hydraulic feed, hydraulic lift, uh, raise lower, hydraulic clamp, hydraulic log turner. Okay, because that was my next question. Like, you, you still got to get the log onto the bed. So Yeah, I mean, that's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be terrible – um, if I have the if I have the log on my trailer, I can push it right off onto the mill bed okay. pretty easily. So that's not going to be too big of a problem. Um, and, and you know what? Again, I'm doing this for content. So watching me try and move a 5,000 pound log across my driveway to get it onto a mill, pretty entertaining stuff. No, no so question. I'm yeah. pretty excited about that prospect. Yeah, I'm I'm anticipating a, a, a macrimona drinking game. <laughs> 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 that's going to be awesome. <laughs> Right on, man. That's yeah. so cool. Once you get this done, I'm, I'm coming up to visit. I'm bringing all the logs with me. Bring it. Get your trailer. Get your log trailer going. BYOLL party. <laughs> at the Cremonas. Biggest log wins. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So many ways we could go with that. So let's move on. Um, well, for me, um, like you, there was absolutely nothing on my bench because I did all of my work outside my shop, directly nice. outside my shop, in the driveway in front of my shop. Um, I have had a leak problem ever since I had my garage door replaced, which is, is just killing me because I love the new garage door. It's like, you know, insulated and keeps the shop warm and cool and all that. But because they they replaced all of the molding around it, um, it, it now water comes down the hill next to the garage and leaks right into the garage door or around the garage door, I should say, because the garage door, the seal on the bottom is good. And, you know, if we get enough rain. I end up with this like little lake that forms. It goes about three feet into the garage, you know, and it drains certainly over time. But especially in the summer when we get these nasty thunderstorms or these cloud bursts, I'll get this lake forming and it sits there for like, you know, 30 minutes as it starts to drain out. And of course, it leaves all the detritus that was washed in with it, you know, and right. Right now it's it's not a huge problem because the only thing that's sitting there is my barns lathe and that's up on on a mobile base so the only thing actually touching the ground are like those um 
rubber wheels or silicone type wheels on the mm-hmm. mobile base. And then um, my dust collector, which also sits on wheels. So it's not really hurting anything. It's just annoying that this, this keeps flooding in like this. And I, you know, of course, if it got really, really bad, like, you know, a hurricane comes through, what, what would happen there? You know, am I going to start having water elsewhere? So, you know, it all comes down to the, the trim around the bottom of, on the left side of the door and i was like you know something something's weird here and i, I looked at the trim they installed and they have that like thermal bond stuff it's all pvc but it's got like the little flap on it that's meant to go on the sides and the top of the door so it's just a um like a one by one by three pvc molding with a little uh, vinyl flap that folds out and kind of overlaps the door and acts as as an air bond a thermal bond um they used that as the base molding so instead of putting hmm. the base molding like against the ground and with caulk and all that stuff they set it up like a half an inch from the ground and let the little flap like run down so in other words there's a half inch gap between the ground <laughs> and like n- with nothing there nothing stopping the water at all and i i looked at that and i was like that can there's got to be something behind that. Like no one would do that. These are garage door installers. What you know? What what was I assuming? So I Does took it go that, up and down. Yep. Yeah. Go. So I took that down, and I was shocked to find out that like the um, the header, the the casement piece was completely rotted underneath like the bottom (laughs) three inches was completely rotted and you know the house is built in 66 this is douglas fir really like you you look at it really old growth like stuff that was hung in the 1960s this is what douglas fir used to look like in the 1960s good stuff pretty but um you know i didn't want to take the whole thing down mainly because i'm lazy and i didn't want to put something up and have to paint it because <laughs> the paint's good. So I ended up cutting off like the bottom four inches and I'm going to actually scab PVC below that and then cover the joint with, um, with molding. Um, because it's, it, the, I guess it's eight inches up from the ground is where that will be. And of course that wood is all solid and as good as the day it was installed. So I'm not really worried about that. And then I'm going to wrap the PVC around the front face and then put, um, more uh, quote around like shoe molding around the bottom of it and of course glue it and silicone caulk the crap out of it <laughs> behind that the the water <laughs> got to the point where it was actually starting to um erode some of the mortar and some of the brick joints oh wow so this is just one of those typical projects where you start taking stuff apart and suddenly yeah. the project gets longer and longer and Don't longer just love that now i'm mixing mortar and like reappointing you know repointing brick and putting brick back into place <laughs> And then I'm over there and I keep like, like the the Ivy has grown down the hill and up onto the brick. And I'm like, you know, that's hurting the mortar too. So I'm pulling Ivy back. And of course you start pulling on Ivy and it just, it doesn't snap off easily. It just keeps coming out. It's like coming off the hillside. So before I know it, I've got this like bare spot on the hillside. I'm like, all right, well, why don't I build a retaining wall? (laughs) Wow. I mean, I built one on the other side of my garage years ago, um, and I, was, I just never really did it on the other side. So next thing I know, I'm at Home Depot buying pressure-treated 6 by 6s and I got a shovel. It's about 87% humidity and 92 degrees outside right now. I'm digging a hole, you know. <laughs> Pulling out the bracing bit and putting in like the rebar to like anchor the the bottom mm-hmm. course and then using the the landscaping <laughs> spikes. So I've got this beautiful wall now with you know uh, all the dirt topsoil backfilled behind it. I've got some place to like plant some hostas and stuff there now. Looks fantastic, and I still haven't finished the PVC trim, which is actually preventing the leakage from happening. 
<laughs> so right now there's this gaping hole because of course I went ahead and cut the bottom of the Douglas fir um, casement off. So now there's this huge gaping hole, um, and of course we've had horrific thunderstorms all week now. <laughs> So there's there's so much like bark and dirt and stuff all like sh- washed into the front you know three feet of my uh, my shop now. That's great. Yeah, it's really good. That's incredible. Yeah, what I should be doing instead of recording the show right now is installing PVC trim because it's actually not <laughs> raining right now. So, you know, Wood Talk listeners, the things I do for you. So, but I, I got to say, I kind of enjoyed what what I've done so far working with the PVC. It's fun, you know. It's it's a little bit messy, you know. It gets like statically charged and the mm-hmm. dust goes everywhere because of course I'm, you know, doing it by hand, but you know, it's like cutting balsa wood. The stuff is so soft to a handsaw um, that it just it cuts like butter. And, you know, it was kind of fun. I'm doing my own trim work, cutting miters and stuff, pulled out my miter box and cutting miters and molding and using um, and PVC glue and everything to attach it all together. So kind of having fun with, like, the, the Home Depot um, stock PVC moldings. So I'm going to end up with like this total stacking stuff. This is seriously, this total stacked multi-layer molding. If I could find some dental, I would probably put that around oh, the bottom wow. as well. You know, but it's going to look awesome. Um, of course, I'm going to have to do it on the other side so that it matches. But yeah, it's uh, like your own dental. It's It's been um, my own dental PVC. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, why not? I thought the hard is repetitive. Yeah. So needless to say, my... Um, what three hour project is now turned into a multiple weekend project so yeah <laughs> typical typical uh woodworker over engineering and and you know going to the nth degree that's just home ownership right there yeah uncovering something else something else leads to something else always happens that yeah. way oh well while i'm in here i might as well do this yeah exactly and let's build a retaining wall you idiot <laughs> <laughs> all right well um as far as what's new this week, it's kind of a, a of a bummer of a note. But um, anybody listening to the show probably knows who Graham Hayden is. Uh, Graham is a actual professional joiner in in Great Britain. He runs a joinery shop, doing windows and doors and things like that. And Graham, you know, jumped onto the YouTube scene and made a big big noise because he's he really knows his stuff from a hand tool perspective. He's done some great hand tool videos. He built a workbench recently entirely using hand tools, and he's just got a real old world approach to things. Well, if anybody who's followed him has wondered what the heck went happened with Graham, because his YouTube channel is blank. His Instagram account was closed. Like everything just shut down. He went totally dark and it was kind of weird. You know, like there's lots of people who like disappear from their blog, but it stays up, you know, <laughs> and they come back to it later. Um, I learned through Facebook. Graham is fine. He, he's not in a ditch somewhere. But um, I think there were some some family issues, some health issues that came up. Apparently, everybody's fine, but it's kind of forced him to reprioritize things a little bit. And of course, he's got his joinery business and he's got his family and those take priority over content creation. So I'm sad to say a really valuable hand tool woodworking resource is gone and um you know i'd like to say graham we hope you come back but i understand the situation he's in um and you know you don't want to like it's kind of like when matt vanderlust left this show you know we wanted to be like oh no matt you can do it you can do it and at some point you end up being less of a friend (laughs) because what they really want you to say is hey we totally understand and godspeed you know so godspeed graham you will be missed um but matt you tell me that um you can actually find his youtube videos you can if you have the link to the video or the the workbench videos for sure the other ones i think are actually removed they're unlisted so 
if you have a link to them or you can find them in a playlist or someone else's playlist, you can still get to them. Um, I, if you search for the videos on YouTube, you'll find someone's playlist that, or someone who added them to a playlist on their account, and you can go in there and you can watch the videos still. So right. there's a little bit of detective work. Yeah, so all is not lost, not entirely anyway. Um, you might still be able to find it, but, you know, it's it it's still a little weird that, like, everything is gone. You know, what what happens that makes you actually take stuff down? So anyway. I'll speculate. So, yeah, as far as I know, everything is good. I hope everything stays good. But, uh, Graham, uh, you will certainly be missed. So, yeah, there's the bummer for what's new. What's new is a bummer. So uh, kickback. We actually have... Um, uh, a voicemail kickback here. Matt, you had um, some sort of riving knife issue, if I remember correctly. So, uh, I think the issue is I don't have one. Yeah, the, the, that's the <laughs> issue. I don't remember who this is from, so let's uh, let's find out. Hey, guys, this is a kickback for Matt on his table saw and not having a riving knife or a splitter for it. Um, I have the same exact table saw he does, the uh, R4511. And if you go on the Rigid Tools forum, there's actually a pattern that you could print out for that table saw that creates a riving knife. And all you do is you print it out, trace it onto a piece of material, and it pops right in and out where the original splitter normally sits. Um, Now, the hardest part is trying to figure out what kind of material to use to create the knife because you don't want something too thick that is going to be thicker than the actual blade, but not too thin because it will otherwise be too flimsy when you're putting a board through. So what I did was print it out and trace it on an old table saw blade. So when you cut it out of the plates of the blade, you know the plate is just that hair thinner than the teeth. Um, So it's still a fairly substantial material, but it's still thinner than the teeth itself. So when you run a board through after it cuts, it slides right past and it doesn't hit, doesn't have any problems. So it's real simple to make, real easy to use, works really well, goes up and down with the blade. So all you gotta do is retract the blade and it's gone. so there's no reason to do that. Keep yourself safe and uh, happy woodworking. See you guys. Whoever you are, that was a good tip. Go hunt that down now. Hunt on a template. Find someone with a plasma cutter. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to do that. <laughs> I can I, tell already. <laughs> I don't know. I might. I'll see if anyone feels like plasma cutting it because I'm not going to cut it with an angle grinder or anything. That sounds terrible. After the band mill's been done. Yeah, that's true too. I'll probably be doing much woodworking anyway. Yeah. In the next uh, little bit, so you know, and, you know, and you're probably going to end up selling your table saw and just using the bandsaw mill from now on. <laughs> you just see I, Matt out there making like cabinetry with a bandsaw mill. You know, I'm going to do something crazy like that, like do a project on the bandsaw mill. Oh heck yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than just for milling up logs. You can do <laughs> dovetails. <laughs> that that's awesome. Dovetails, a quarter on the inch board. <laughs> That's great. This is this is how you build like those dovetails and that you see in like German cabins and things with a band mill. <laughs> All right. Um you want to grab this next kickback here? We have two about the same thing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, yeah. It's, so this first one, referring to Brady's sorry, Brandy's slow starting table saw. I have a lowest contractor saw and has similar experience where the saw would start, but the blade would not get up to speed and the motor would make a strange sound. I found that the capacitor had gone bad. This is a cheap and easy fix. Just, just find the capacitor that's hooked up to the motor and order a new one with the same voltage and microfarad rating. I find, I find it easy to type those specs into Amazon, look through, look for a matching picture, then connect the same way the old one was. They're usually cheap and 
easy to pry for a fix. So that's hmm. a good point. Interesting. That's a star capacitor, probably. Yeah, I guess. I guess. <clears throat> Which would make sense based on if you remember from listeners, if you remember from last week, um, the saw would like start really slowly and like never really get up to speed or, or whatever. But um, interestingly enough, Brandy wrote in and uh, after saying like how awesome the show is and all kinds of like you make you know milk come out my nose laughing and stuff like that um apparently uh home depot the the tool rentals department does diagnosis for 19 bucks so um you know drop the saw off they're gonna do a diagnosis and maybe we'll actually find out what's going on i think it'll be fun if they find out that it's the capacitor that what matches red and you know. i don't know if those ones have capacitors if it's universal motor that's true the director so doesn't have a star capacitor. I don't know. But what do I know? I don't know nothing about these things. Well, they, if go, it, they spin stuff. If, if it ends up being what what Matt, our kickbacker, Matt just read Matt's kickback. If it ends up being that, then I think it's safe to say that you need to send $19 to Matt. <laughs> or $19 to Woodtalk, and we'll make sure he gets it. Yeah, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this next one comes from Dave. We talked about Japanese versus Western saws, and he brings up a good point that we neglected to mention. He says, for me, the decision on Japanese versus Western saws has to do with sharpening rather than performance. Both perform quite well, but I find sharpening Western saws much easier. I believe the learning curve on sharpening is less with Western saws than it is with Eastern. So, eh, you know, it's probably a matter of perspective because uh, I know a lot of people who are entirely flummoxed by sharpening Western saws, <laughs> um, mainly because they're just too afraid to start and too afraid of messing it up. Um, I think Japanese saws, certainly you're, you're dealing with a slightly different tooth geometry, but, you know, with the right files, I'm not sure that it's that much harder. I don't know. I guess it depends upon the saw you own, too. Like some of the cheaper ones with like the impulse hardened teeth and everything, I don't think are meant to be sharp. Yeah, I don't think so. But, yeah, it's a very good point. Um, lots and lots of tiny teeth with really deep gullets can be a little bit more intimidating than the, uh, the, uh, the typical stuff. So, anyway, thank you, Dave. Hey, it's Mark again. I just want to jump in here real quick and talk about Kalo rings. Now, um, we've talked about them multiple times on the show. You've heard me talk about how much I enjoy having it on my hands and not having to remove it and still feeling safe while using power tools in the shop. Well, it actually uh, occurred to me that there are other great situations where these things can come in handy. And one of those is at the gym. Now, I usually run and bike. That's like my primary form of exercise. But in the summer, it gets really, really hot. And that's impossible to do uh, in the desert in Phoenix. So so I got a gym membership and I'm lifting, you know, a little bit of weight. I don't lift very much. Not a big guy. But anyway, bottom line is it still can cause problems if you're wearing a traditional ring. All right. There's a safety factor. Certainly, you don't want something to get caught while you're exercising. But also in the past, I would get those just really horrible calluses on my hands whenever I would grip a bar or something like that. So the cool thing about this is these things are so lightweight, so smooth, and so easy on your skin that I just leave the ring on. I don't even know that it's there during the workout. So not woodworking, but definitely a great benefit. So something I highly, highly recommend. So remember, Kalo rings start at just $15.99, and you could head to Kalo.com, that's Q-A-L-O.com, and use the discount code WOODTALK for 15% off your order. All right, so without Mark here this week, we're gonna we're gonna throw in a little feature topic because we don't have him to answer a question. Um, although I think he pre-recorded one. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> he might have put it in Dropbox, but since it's come from Missouri, it takes a little bit longer because they're slow down there. I used to live in Missouri, folks. I'm allowed to make fun of Missourians. 
<laughs> All right. So Steve wrote in and he said, I mentioned to Mr. Carmona. That's that me. Good. Yeah, that is you. Uh, a good show topic, uh, maybe tips for keeping the shop clean. Obviously, dust collection helps, but it seems like I spend three to four hours a week cleaning and organizing while actually working for eight to 12 hours per week in the shop. So I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a cool idea. Um, I tend to be a little OCD when it comes to keeping my shop clean. Um, well, that's not entirely true. Uh, I sweep a lot of stuff under the bench. <laughs> but there's parts that are visible. Um, you know, I, I, I do like to keep it clean. There's, there's certainly reasons for that. If you, like break something and like a little piece falls on the floor into a bunch of dust it's impossible to find but if you've got a clean shop floor it's really easy to find those things and glue them back in place so there, there's something to be said about that but um matt do you have a, a routine that you follow that you kind of stick to to keep the shop clean or do you just let chaos take over i i used to before i was doing like this thing full-time for a living when i was working my day job and i be spending time in the shop i knew i'd be in the shop every sunday night and that was kind of like the end of the week for me because i'd be in the shop during the weekend probably so sunday night before i went to bed or before i came in from the shop for about spent about an hour just vacuuming and cleaning putting things away every week and that was just part of my my routine or my habit and that worked out really well for me it was like once you like do it a few times and you really get into the routine it just becomes a habit to just go out there or when you're done working that evening you will stop like a little bit early you get the vacuum out, you gotta start putting things away. And that really works out quite well. It did work out pretty well for me. But now it's like my shop time's all over the place, so I don't get out there nearly as much as I used to. But that doesn't mean that I don't create the same amount of mess. <laughs> yeah. Um I still am, I'm still able to destroy the shop pretty quickly. Um but nowadays, like if I'm sitting at my desk, I'm editing, I'm getting like my brain hurts from staring at the screen for too long, I'll go out there and just kind of putz around, put things away, you know maybe sweep up a little bit here and there, uh, empty the dust collector, whatever. All those things I used to do all at once, I kind of do spread out willy-nilly now. Mm, That's when I feel like it. Yeah, I'd say I'm the same except for the empty the dust collector part. I put that off as long as humanly possible. (laughs) I'm going for like, you know, the sand dart thing right now um, with the multiple layers of different colored woods (laughs) in it. And it's so beautiful. I hate to empty it, you know. It just seems... seems I'll come back. Don't worry. Yeah, in fact, if anybody like saw some of the pictures I posted on Facebook of that retaining wall I built, you'll see my sand dart dust collector in the background there. It's it's very nice. You know, I, I think that um, I, I kind of went the same route where it would be like, you know, you clean everything up at the end of the weekend. And I in, I found that I ended up like doing more work than was necessary because I would be like, especially with hand tools, because I was always very kind of anal about, you know, wiping down the tools and making sure you're keeping the, the rust at bay on the tools. So, you know, put everything away and, and wipe off the dust and everything. And it's not that I don't do that anymore but i used to like go a little too far um, <laughs> i found that the best way to prevent rust on your tools is just to use them a bunch you know because the oils in your hands and things like that really help a lot of that if you're putting them away for long periods of time you know it made more sense so um i i have stopped trying to put all the tools away um because once i finished putting the tools away then i was like okay well now i'll go ahead and sweep up well now that i'm not really like going to the nth degree to put all the tools away because then i just end up taking them back out because i'm <laughs> mid task or whatever and that ends up adding more time to things so because i'm not really doing that anymore i'm not really like going to the extra step of like sweeping up and picking up the chips or the dust or anything like that i do try to like organize my work 
kind of task based so that when I finish this task, I know I'm not going to need that spoke shave anymore. Or, you know, I've done all my layout, so I'm going to go ahead and put away my layout tools. And now I'm just focusing on cutting joinery. So kind of as I go, I'm cleaning things up and putting them away. And um, with that comes like sweeping up the dust and stuff like that, which is also probably where my bad habit of sweeping it under the bench <laughs> probably comes from. Because, you know, if you sweep it off the bench top, that's fine, right? And then you can just grab the big push broom and sweep it under the bench and create a nice fire hazard under the, the workbench there. But, you know, if I, when I do get around to emptying the dust collector, then then it's time to like go whole hog and like really <laughs> clean it out just because you know you you take that bag off especially when you wait as long as i do and things start to like drop down from the upper bag oh yeah yeah <laughs> so you just get dust it's everywhere at that point so then i'm like all right let me go ahead and and you know grab the push broom and pull out the shot back and really like suck everything up sometimes grab the leaf blower and like really blow stuff off and blow it out the door but Did that yesterday you know but that that's like at this point you know whenever I am to the dust collector, which in a hand tool shop, is not very often. <laughs> so yeah, it is more of a kind of stay after it all the time. Um, as I move from task to task, I'll do a little bit of the sweeping up and cleaning up, but yeah, it's, a. Uh, it's not nearly as clean as it used to be when I would like shut the shop down for the week, you know, because yeah. now you're in there a lot more. The other, the other thing I did when I was a little more routine about it is, um, as I was putting things away, I like I knew like, hey, this doesn't actually have a good place to go, or doesn't have an actual place in my shop to be stored. I just keep shuffling it around, putting mm-hmm. it, you know, taking up horizontal space. Maybe I should make you know cert- this shop organization thing a shelf or a cabinet or or whatever a cart, so I actually have places to put these things. Yeah. So that really helped me identify the deficiencies in my shop as far as storage went. And I didn't, obviously, I didn't address those all at once. I just kind of put in the back of my mind, like, oh, when I have time, I'll build a saw blade storage cabinet to put on the wall. Or I want to convert the the drill press onto a cart with drawers so I have places to store stuff. You know, things like that. You know, that that's a good point. It's stuff that, you know, your shop gets cleaner over time because you do finally get to that stuff. You know? Yeah. Because let, let's be real. Probably the thing that's preventing us from, like, cleaning up the dust is the stuff in the way. Right. It's true. It's you true. know, you're much less prone. Like I was saying earlier, now that I'm not necessarily putting all the tools away, I'm not sweeping up as much. But when I was putting them all away, I was sweeping up a lot more. And, and of course, that's a double-edged sword, too. Because you're like, you know, all right, well, I'm going to clean the shop or I'm going to put this stuff away. And next thing you know, your project's totally derailed because you're building a saw blade cabinet, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or you're building that special little block plane cubby that goes and, you know, hangs on the wall next to your uh, your um, glue pot cozy. Yeah. knitted glue pot cozy so <laughs> yeah i i do think in the long run it comes down to just kind of keeping up with it as much as possible um it's like sharpening don't do it yeah. all at once do it when you need it there we yeah. go so larry wrote in and he asked can you guys do a show on working in the heat most of us have a small garage shop or a portion of the garage summer comes and our production goes down just because it's so hot in there and ac or split ac for the garage is not an affordable option well larry you're uh, speaking my language here man when i first moved to the arizona area uh, i didn't have air conditioning and i needed to get work done so that first summer was brutal now after that point i did finally insulate the garage got the air conditioning and life was a whole lot better but uh, i know where you're coming from here so just a couple of suggestions and hopefully one of these or a combination will work for you first of all of course 
you probably know this, but get a few fans, right? Just a little bit of air movement can make a big difference in your comfort level. But ultimately, if it gets too hot and too humid, there's only so much you can do, right? Uh, but fans will help. Uh, now, you didn't mention where you are, uh, at least here in Arizona, because it is dry for a large part of the summer, you can use something called a swamp cooler. For those who don't know, it's like a giant squirrel cage fan where you have filters, almost like a giant humidifier. And it uses the moisture in the air to create this cool sort of mist wind, you know, then by, uh, in a dry environment, when you have that moisture in the air, it actually has a tremendous cooling effect. So large facilities will use these as a more economical option, uh, versus air conditioning. So it can work for part of the year. Definitely something to consider. Um, if you aren't in an area that's very dry, this may not work for you. And even in, uh, Arizona, it doesn't work all summer long when it gets a little bit more moisty in uh, the monsoon season, you, you really can't use them anymore. Uh, another thing that I tried can't say I really can recommend it. It didn't work that well, but it might work for you is a cool vest. Just Google that. There are these vests that have sort of this gel material that you can freeze. You put them in the sleeves and the pockets in this vest, and it kind of is meant to draw the heat out of your core. As you're working, it's supposed to cool you down a little bit. How well that works in reality might be a very personal thing. It didn't work that well for me, but I did buy one because I was desperate and, uh, you know, give it a shot at least or look into the reviews and see if maybe they've gotten better. Uh, The other thing is try to work earlier or later. There's only so much you can do, right? So if it's too hot, just try to get in there before the sun comes up or maybe after the sun goes down and limit your time to working in the cooler parts of the day. And ultimately, you know, just like if you're in a situation in the hardcore parts of winter and you just have to stop woodworking for a while, that may be the case. You know, if you just can't do it, you can't do it. Um, You don't want to risk your health or uh, sweating all over your projects and rusting your tools and uh, just working in conditions that are not ideal. You know, there's only so much you can do. I think we can call that a show. Sounds good to me. Perfect. All right. So since Mark's not here and I'm kind of playing host today, um, Matt, you get to read the stuff at the end of the show. Send to Shannon for contact info. <laughs> Except for that part. Don't read that part. <laughs> buy a Wood Talk t-shirt. Yeah. Buy a Wood Dude, Talk t-shirt. That's a good thing. Hit that donation button. <laughs> Leave us a review on iTunes because you want to and stuff. Five star ratings are good make people find us easier because you just left us a rating thank you so much yeah. comments questions or topic suggestions you have several different ways to contact us leave us a voicemail on Skype our username is woodtalkonline all one word that's it just kidding <laughs> call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180 you can use our fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact or leave us a comment on our website at woodtalkshow.com and don't forget to check us out individually at thewoodwhisperer.com, renaissancewoodworker.com, and mattcremona.com. And bandmilldovetails.com. And milldovetails.com. Oh, every single time you say that, I go register a new domain. <laughs> every that's time. What about. That's what we're all about. I think that's going to be the name of our show today. <laughs> Bandmill made dovetails. Dovetails made on a bandsaw mill. <laughs> there you go. Nice. All right. Well, folks, thanks for listening. And, um, you know, if you uh, please don't unsubscribe because Mark wasn't here because he will be back. Hopefully. It's not just about him, you know. That's true. There's two other people. There's two other people here. Damn it. (laughs) We're important, too. (laughs) We just don't have all the tech to make the show sound good. So sorry about that. (laughs) All right, folks. We'll see you later. See ya. 
Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt. Det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.